Thank you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. Man, who had a, anybody have a good Thanksgiving this year? Have a good Thanksgiving? We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? That's one of the things probably mentioned a little bit later too in the sermon is just, just the fact that it, it's a busy, busy world. We live in such a busy world. It's constantly just going to and fro. It's not like this, uh, this idea that, you know, New York City is the city that never sleeps. It's almost like it's integrated in society. And one of the things that we oftentimes just through the busyness of life forget is how exponentially blessed we truly are because of Jesus. And uh, I want to say personally too, I am blessed to be a part of this family. A family that, that loves God so much, loves Jesus, and, uh, and loves his people. And um, so, so if, you weren't, if you're just now joining us, if you missed the last couple of weeks, we, we dove into a, a series called The Unseen Battle. The Unseen Battle. And it was really all, all about this unseen spiritual war that's going on all around us. It's unseen, but it is very, very real. It's actually this battle that's behind all the other battles, um, the conflicts, the issues that we face, that we see going on throughout the world, but also in our, our everyday lives too. But on top of there being a very real unseen battle that's going on all around us, there's also a very real unseen enemy. And that very real unseen enemy's name is Satan, but also his demons. And through that series, a, a two-week series, um, we actually kind of dove into the fact that Satan and his demons are very real. You can see them in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're all throughout the Word of God. They're not something that we can just lump into this category with like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny or something. They are very real. They are out to destroy our lives, actively looking for ways to destroy our lives. Really what they want to do more than anything is they want to destroy our faith and get us living independently, separated from God, but then also separated from each other. That's what their main kind of objective is. And so if you weren't here for that series, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. For one, it's important for us to understand this unseen battle, which is very real, as well as our very real unseen enemy. But then the second reason is this, it kind of sets the foundation for the series that we're going to be diving into starting today called Boundaries. So this boundary series, it's kind of springing, springboarding, springing boarding. Yeah, it's going to springboard off of that series, the Unseen Battle series, um, by, by hitting on some very practical ways that we can fight back against this unseen enemy, by setting up boundaries in our life that essentially act as a defense system around us. And last week, as we, we wrapped up the Unseen Battle series, we, we hit on a couple of, didn't call them this, but there are a couple of boundaries that God calls every single one of us to, to put up in our life in order to kind of uh, uh, fend off the attacks from a very real unseen enemy. The first one is the full armor of God. We hit on the full armor of God. That's one boundary that God calls every single one of us as followers of Christ to put up in our life. But the other one the Apostle Paul showed us was the importance of unity. Unity with Christ, but then also unity with his body, which is the church. And through this series, Boundaries, we're going to be hitting on some more practical boundaries that God calls every single one of us to put up in our life, starting with um, the boundary of dealing with our sin head on. Dealing with our sin head on. The big idea that we're going to dive into today is this. Jesus calls us to cut our sin off at the root. Jesus calls us to cut our sin off at the root. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of a family that loves you and loves your people. I pray that, that you grow this church, and not so much in numbers, but that you grow us more in love with you, more in love with each other. 
my prayer for myself and for this body of believers is that we would be a people that is known for taking our faith, for taking our walk with you, Jesus, seriously. So that when people look at us, they, they don't see just a bunch of people. What they, they are impacted by your presence, God, and transformed by you. And I pray that we are a people that are consistently transformed by you on a consistent basis, by your gospel message that never stops transforming our life. I pray for the miracle of salvation today. If anybody doesn't know you, if they're here today, I pray that you would open their eyes, that you would open their their hearts, do what only you can do. I am completely incapable. We are completely incapable of doing anything when it comes to salvation other than just speaking your truth. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you work that miracle of salvation. And I pray also for the miracle of transformation in all of our lives, even for those of us that are already your followers. Holy Spirit, I pray that you take over this sermon that you work in our hearts, work in our minds. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. We thank you and love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so today we are gonna be in Matthew uh, chapter five, and we're gonna be diving into one of the most intense teachings uh, by Jesus on this topic of sin that we all struggle with. Every single one of us struggle with this. And it's gonna be, it's one of the most intense teachings that Jesus ever gave on this topic of sin. It's on the, the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. And, and it's also... This sin issue that every single one of us struggle with, it's also uh, the thing that our unseen enemy loves to use against us. He loves to use our weaknesses against us, tempt us in those sinful areas. And again, his main objective is to separate us from God, also to separate us from each other. So let's check out what Jesus said, this very intense teaching by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 29 through 30. This is Jesus' words. He says, If your right eye causes you to sin, Gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow. Like, I told you it was intense, man. Like that is intense right there. Jesus literally just said, like, if your eye causes you to sin. You just pluck that thing out and you just just throw it away. Like, I don't think it gets much more intense than, I, I, don't, I can't imagine it getting more intense than that, more radical than that when it comes to dealing with this sin issue that we all have. And if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, like if you think about this, what Jesus just, just said here, like how often do our eyes actually cause us to sin? You know what I mean? And not just in lust, which is like the main core issue that Jesus was dealing with in this passage contextually, but, but then the other ways that our eyes can cause us to sin. I mean, you think about like in judgment, you think about in jealousy, or all, I mean, envy, all kinds of different ways that our eyes can cause us to sin. So from the outside looking in, when you read this passage, what it looks like, again, kind of from the outside looking in, it looks like, man, we all struggle with this. And so what we need to do, man, if we like look at Jesus' text right here and what he's saying, it sounds like we all just need to start plucking our eyes out, right? So, so that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to take a time out. We're going to start cutting our eyes out, and I'm going to start this. We're going to join together. Any takers? Anybody going to do this with me? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Why is it? Because it's crazy. That is like, no, nobody is going to cut their eyes out or their hands or their arms or anything. For one, that's crazy, right? But then two, it's not even going to do anything. Like when it comes to the root issue, if you're struggling with lust, if you're struggling with jealousy, envy, whatever, the things that our eyes would cause us to sin in, cutting your eye out isn't actually going to get down to the root issue, right? You're just going to be walking around blind, but you're still going to be struggling with lustful thoughts, 
right? And envious thoughts, jealous thoughts. So it's not even going to really take care of the real issue. But more importantly than that, it actually, if you were to like mutilate yourself, cut your eye out, cut your hand off or whatever, you would actually be in direct contradiction to God, who tells us in his word several times that he wants us to take care of our bodies, not mutilate it, right? See, see what we have to understand is Jesus was using something called a hyperbole here. Hyperbole, it's a, it's a big fancy word, kind of like Walmart rather than Wally World, right? So hyperbole, what that, what that word means is it's essentially using an example that's an extreme exaggeration in order to get a point across. He's intentionally using an extreme exaggeration in order to get a point across. So, so um, you know, all joking aside, I'm joking, but I'm also being serious. Like, don't go home and mutilate yourself. I do not want to hear anybody, like, you know, calling in saying, hey, I cut my hand off, Pastor. I did it. I cut my eyes out. Like, no, that, that is not what Jesus is saying. So I'm joking, but I'm actually being serious. Like, don't go home and mutilate yourself. That's not what he's saying here, okay? So it begs the question, well, well what does Jesus want us to do then? Like, I mean, it looks like he's saying he wants us to cut our eyes out and our hands off and other body parts that they're causing us to sin. But what's he getting at? That's not his point. What's the point? And here's the point. Jesus is intentionally using an extreme exaggeration, catch this, because of the extreme seriousness of our sin and because of the extreme need that every single one of us have to set up boundaries in our life. He's using an extreme example because of the extreme seriousness of our sin. And see, Jesus, he knows us better than we do. He knows everything about us. And one of those things that he knows about us better than we do is the fact that we love to be very superficial when it comes to dealing with our issues, right? Like, let's be honest. We love to be, we are very superficial when it comes to dealing with those, especially the bigger issues in our life. Like, if you, if you picture, say you're going to, like, sweep away, you know, sweep in your house or something, you're going to sweep your living room. Oftentimes, if you're trying to be really quick, you'll just kind of sweep really quick, but then, like, maybe some bigger areas. Has anybody swept stuff up under the rug? Anybody done that? Don't lie now. Nobody's done, but one person, okay, one honest person back there, okay. So sweep it under the rug, or maybe it's like bigger things, and you stuff it into like a, a nightmare closet or something. It's like, I'm just going to stuff this. Does anybody have like a nightmare closet? Okay, there we go. A few more honest people. There we go. I've got one too. Pray for me. Okay, just being transparent. But as we just stuff it into the nightmare closet, and it's like almost screaming at us when we open the door because it's about to like, you know, jump out at us or something because there's so much stuff in there. But that's what we do. We, we, we can be very superficial when it comes to dealing with our issues. It's like the issues that'll make us look a little bit better, will kind of tidy up a little bit to make it look a little better. But when it comes to the core, deeper issues in our life, what do we do more often than not? We make excuses, don't we? We make excuses. Look, we'll make all kinds of different excuses. Like, you know, one of them is, hey, well, it's not really that big of a deal. It's not that big. It's just a few white lies it's not a big deal, and a few white lies that became more lies became more lies. But it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not really going to hurt anybody. It's okay, right? Or, or, or we'll use this other excuse like, well, nobody really knows, right? So it's not hurting anybody. Like, like the pornography that I looked at, like, you know, my wife doesn't even know, so it's not going to hurt her, right? It's not going to hurt her. Or, or the drugs that I took, like, like my boss doesn't even know. I'm still functional at my job. Nobody knows. It's okay. It's not a big deal. The, the alcohol I was a little drunk when I was hanging out with my kids, but they didn't know. It's okay, and the, the anger, the, the, the bitterness that I've been harboring for a long time, and you know, I've been stuffing it down, and, and I get really angry, but it's okay. I'm able to, for the most part, control it, so it's not a big deal. Nobody really knows about it. But probably the biggest excuse that we use, like the most common one, is, I'll just get to it later. 
I'll get to it later. And I mean, like, look, my schedule is crazy. I mean, do you, if you knew everything that I got to do this week, like, I just can't do it. No, I'm booked the whole week. So I know I got to deal with this, Jesus. I know I got to deal with this. Okay, I'll get to it. Maybe next week. No, better yet, maybe next week's kind of crazy. Maybe next month I'll get to that, right? You know, I'll get to that eventually. But then what happens? Next week comes, next month comes, the next month, the next month, the next month. And we don't deal with the issues. But what we have to understand is those things that we swept under the rug, the issues that we said we were going to get to, the, the things that we put into the nightmare closet, so to speak, they don't stay the same as when we swept them under the rug or when we put them into the nightmare closet, right? They don't stay the same. They don't look exactly the same. They don't stay the same size. They grow. They mutate. They grow bigger and bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger and stronger um, to the point to where they essentially, after looking back months, even years later, they have like tripled in size. They've like tripled in size. So what we have to understand is dealing with the sin issues in our life, we can't look at it like some kind of a side job that we're just going to get to at some point. Like, I'm just not going to worry about that right now. I'll get to it sometime later, or I'll deal with it in my own time. Dealing with our sin issues, guys, hear me on this. It's something that we have to do on a consistent, continual basis. Consistent, continual basis. Otherwise, the sins will grow bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger in our life. It's kind of like if you picture weeds in a garden. We have any gardeners in here? Anybody like to garden or plant things? Okay, a couple of people. All right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so if you think about gardening. So, so if I were to go out, like, let's, say, let's say, for example, I wanted to plant some carrots. Okay. So if I plant some carrots, if I, if I just go to the store and I get this big old bag of seeds and I don't, I don't worry about what it says, like what the seeds are, I just get a big old bag of seeds. I want to plant carrots, but I'm just going to get this bag of seeds and I'm going to go over to this random plot of land and, and maybe it's kind of like, you know, rugged. It's like on a hill and there's rocks everywhere. Um, but I just take this big bag of seeds, random bag of seeds, and I just dump it out. Like that's probably not going to produce carrots, right? That's, it probably is not going to work well. I don't even know if I'm going to plant anything at all. It's not going to grow. And I don't even know what I just put down. That's not how we do this, right? If you want to plant something, you got to have a certain type of seed. You got to have good soil. You got to have good land. You got to work the land, kind of till it and work it. You got to take care of it. You got to plant it to a certain depth, depending on what you're planting. It's got to be a certain distance away from, you know, the other seeds that you're planting, depending on what you're growing. The certain amount of sunlight, not too much, not too little, watering it, giving it attention, right? You got to do all these different things to be able to grow what you want to grow. But what is, what is one thing? that can grow up and that can suffocate the life out of that garden. Even if you do all the right things, what's that one thing that can grow up and suffocate the life out of your garden if you don't consistently go in there and pluck it up and take care of it? Dig it up from the root. Weeds, right? Weeds. And again, you can do all the right things. You could, I mean, every, like, the, 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 you got a, the right seed, you got the right land, it's perfect, the soil, you till it up, you do everything, I mean, the, the right distance, you're watering it, you're, you're the right amount of sunlight, you are uh, like giving it attention every day, multiple times a day, you go out there and check it, you're doing all the right things, but if you don't pluck up those weeds, it will grow up and it'll suffocate the life out of your garden. Because in the same way, when it comes to our, our walk with Christ, we could do all the right things, we could go to church, get planted in a 
gospel-centered church, and that's solid. We could even like invest and contribute in the church rather than just coming. We could you know, start tithing and, and, and volunteering. We could be somewhat mission-minded where we're like, hey, I want to help make disciples in the church, outside of the church. We could read the Bible. We could pray. But guys, if we do not deal with the sin issue in our life, we could do all the right things, have this incredible spiritual resume, so to speak, but those sin issues will grow up bigger and bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger, until the point where they are suffocating the peace and the joy right out of our life. They'll completely suffocate and choke the peace and the joy out of your life. And we can't just deal with the superficial areas of it either. We can't deal with the superficial layers. Like think about, think about weeds in a garden. If you go up, you got weeds in a garden, you're going to deal with these weeds. If I were to just go up to this weed and just like break off the top part of that weed, is that going to kill the weed? Is that going to take care of it? No. I, I've got to dig down deep, get down to the root issue, right? Because if I don't, I could pluck all, I could go through the whole garden, plugging all these little weeds, the top part of it. But what's it going to do? It's going to grow back. It's going to keep on growing. It doesn't take care of the root issue. And it's the same thing when it comes to our sins. We can't just superficially deal with these sin issues because then what happens is we're not really dealing with it at all and it will continue growing back bigger, bigger, and stronger, and stronger. And just a quick practical example of this, think about somebody that, that, that's struggling with addiction, right? And so, so a superficial way, and somebody, uh, myself, that struggled with this in the past, uh, a superficial way of trying to just kind of try to deal with addiction on your own is by saying, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quit cold turkey. I'm not going to say anything to anybody else. I'm not going to get any help, no accountability. I'm just going to do that. I'm not going to surround myself by good people that'll, that'll, that'll help me with this. I'm just going to do this on my own. And every once in a while, you'll hear about like these random popcorn stories, like somebody was able to do it. But the vast, vast majority of the time, people aren't able to do it. And actually, when you have conversations with the random people that are able to do it, what you'll find is the addiction jumps. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not struggling with the alcohol anymore, but man, I can't get rid of these cigarettes, right? And it kind of jumps. So what happens, the vast, vast majority, I would say, honestly, I mean, nine times out of 10, that's not like, you know, that's not a technical um, thing there, but I would say probably nine times out of 10, it doesn't happen. But what happens is not only does that person not get better, ended up right back in the same place they were at before, but now they got the shame and the guilt from not being able to kick that habit, that addiction on their own, piled on top of everything else. So in other words, what that means is they are even worse than they ever were before. It pushes them down farther, weighs them down more than they've ever been weighed down before. And that's just one example of addiction. It doesn't matter what the sin is. It can be anything at all. It applies to the, the same thing applies to every single sin. It could be pride. It could be bitterness. It could be resentment, pains from the past that we're not dealing with. It could be anxiety, anything at all. And what these sins do is they cause that separation. They try to build up these, these walls in our life, separating us most importantly from God, from Jesus Christ, but then also separating us from each other. And one of the things that we, we talked about in the series that we were in before, the Unseen Battle series, is we talked about several ways that our unseen enemy loves to try to attack us. And one of the ways that he loves to try to attack us is by essentially baiting us in. He baits us in, he lures us in, and what he does, he knows our weak spots. We talked about like those soft spots in our life better than we do. 
He knows them better than he's a master strategist, almost like a master chess player, if you will, right? He knows those weak, soft spots in our life better than we do. He knows how to tempt us very well. And so what he'll do is those, he'll play to those areas, those temptations in our life, the weak spots in our life by baiting us. So maybe you're struggling with pride, so he might bait you in and lure you in with like money and power, like in a sinful way, and try to bait you in farther and farther, closer and closer, away from Jesus towards him. And it, he doesn't care what the bait is. The bait's just the means to the end, right? He doesn't care what the bait is. In the same way, it doesn't matter so much what the sin is. And we have to understand that. It, it, sins can look different. They can come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, right? Um, and, and there might be different repercussions in this life. One sin might land you in prison, and another sin might, you know, nobody else really knows about it, at least for now right? So different repercussions in this life, but in the end, they all lead to the same place, which is separation from God and towards Satan's sinful prison of shame, guilt, and despair, and away from Jesus. And these baits, the the bait, the lure that Satan uses, and it's all kinds of different things that he uses, along with the sin that we struggle with, the sin addiction that we all have, Ultimately, what they're trying to do is they give us the illusion that they are going to meet our needs. They give us the illusion that they are going to meet the needs that, I mean, every single one of us have. The needs are real, and the needs need to be met, but they give us the illusion. They lie to us and say that they are going to meet those needs, that they're going to fulfill us, that they will fill those voids in our life, but they never do. All they do is make the empty promises and drag us down further and further and further and further into this dark, deep prison of Satan. And the only way that we can honestly stop ourselves from taking this bait, this lure of Satan, and from giving in to this sin addiction that every single one of us have is by chopping that sin off at the root chopping it off at the root. Again, it's kind of like a gardener that's out there in the garden. He's, pl- he's plucking these weeds up. The only way that you can actually get that weed up and kill the weed is by going all the way down to the root and then dragging that thing up. But when we're talking about sin, we're, we're, it's, it's a little bit different than a, like, a little weed that you're gonna see in a garden, right? Like a little weed that you see in the garden, it's tiny, it's little. You can just reach down and grab that thing with your hand and then pluck it up. But with a sin, it's a lot stronger. It's a lot more powerful. We need something to help us to be able to essentially chop that, that sin off at the root in our lives. Something much more powerful than just our hands that we would use to be able to pull a weed up in a garden. So what we really need is something like this right here. We need an axe. It's really a hatchet, but I'm going to say it's an axe. It's a little axe. We need an axe and um, I don't know why, but I feel 10 times more manly just, just holding this axe right now. I am not good at chopping wood, so um, that's going to deflate my own ego there. Um, but we need something like an axe. And this axe, it represents the strength, the power, and the authority that it takes to be able to chop that sin off at the root, right? But it doesn't represent my strength or your strength, or our power, our authority, our ability to be able to chop that sin off at the root. In fact, if you try to do it in your own strength, or if your own power, if you're in your own authority, then you will fail. 
You will fail. You will get completely consumed in that scene. Sin, it will eat you alive. It will grow bigger and bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger. No matter what you do, it'll continue to grow stronger in your life. It'll eat you alive. It'll kill the peace and the joy just completely like suffocated out of your life. And it'll cause you to walk around and act and look more like a victim than a victor that's been freed by Jesus Christ. We can't do this and our own strength. So this, this actually doesn't represent my strength or your strength or our power. So whose does it represent? It represents Jesus. The only one that has the strength, the power, and the authority to be able to chop that sin off at the root in our life. And guys, when we honestly call out to Jesus, and when we expose that sin for what it is, which is this wall that's being built up to try to separate us from him, from God, then what will happen is he will come alongside of us and in his power and his strength and his authority, he will help us to chop those sins off in our life at the root, completely separating them from our life. And hear me on this, when, when Jesus Christ has freed you from the bondage of a sin or multiple sins, that means that you are freed and you do not have to go back to that sin ever again, ever again. Because once Jesus has freed you, you are free. Period. But here's the thing, it does require something from us. It requires something from every single one of us. It requires actually a, few, a couple of things. The first thing that it requires of us is that we honestly trust him. It requires that we honestly trust Jesus. And the first thing that we have to trust is that Jesus Christ actually has the power and the authority the strength to be able to chop those sins off in our life and completely separate them from our life. Like, Jesus, I don't know this thing I'm struggling with, this addiction, this, this anger, this, this pain. You don't know what happened to me. I don't think you can do anything about this. This is way too hard. I can't deal with this, and I trust you, but I don't know if you can actually, you know, take this from me. I don't know, so I'm, I'm going to kind of give it to you halfway, but I'm going to give it to you like this with my hand closed so you can't really take it because I don't really trust you. We've got to trust that he has the strength, the power, and the authority to completely chop that off at the root, completely separate it from our life. And we have to trust, here's the other thing, that Jesus Christ will meet every single one of our needs. That he will meet every single one of your needs. And that he loves you, and that nothing will ever separate you from his love. You cannot sin his love away. There is no sin big enough to separate you from the love of God when you are a follower of Jesus Christ that he will be there with you every single step of the way and that he will provide for you every step of the way. We have to trust him. And the other thing along with trust is obedience. We have to be willing to obey him. We have to take our walk with Jesus Christ seriously and honestly obey him. It's not just the trust. I can sit here and trust him. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus, but I'm gonna trust you on my couch while I'm eating my Cheez-Its, right? You're not gonna get very far. It's the trust but it's the faith that goes along with it and the obedience to get up and step in his direction. And it doesn't require you to just go a mile. And you know, it, What he requires you is a few simple steps of faith and then he multiplies that exponentially to take that walk with Jesus Christ seriously. But then also our fight, hear me on this, our fight against sin. He does the work, he does the hard work, but he does require us to step out in faith and take it seriously and come alongside of him in this fight against this sin that we all struggle with. And here's the thing, when we honestly trust him and when we honestly obey him, 
and we willingly on a consistent basis hand these sins, struggles, addictions that we have in our life over to him, then what we're doing is we're telling him, Jesus, you are enough. But then more than just telling him, what we're doing is we are showing him, Jesus, you are enough. You are enough. I know this, I know this thing over here. I feel like I'm, you know, I've got to have it in my life. I, I've been told for so long, I've been lied to for so long that I've got to have this in order to cope with life and in order to cope with my anxiety or in order to cope with family or whatever else or, or you know, the, 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 the power that I have to have and all these cravings that I have. I know I've struggled with this, but Jesus, I'm going to hand these things over to you. And it's not because I perfected it. It's because I'm struggling, but I love you and I trust you and I know that you are enough for me. We're not just telling him, we're showing him that he's enough in our lives when we hand these things over to him. And the truth of the gospel tells us that, guys, Jesus Christ is not only the only one that can save our souls, Jesus Christ is the only one that can meet our needs. He is the only one that can fulfill your needs. He can, he's the only one that can bring you true, lasting fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, hope, any of these things. He's the, all these other things, all they do is they lure us in, give us the illusion that they're going to meet our needs. And maybe it's like a momentary little comfort type of thing, momentary little like illusion that it's me. Oh, this is helping me. This is But all it's doing is leading you down further and further and further, like bait down into a dark, deep, dark trap and prison. Jesus is the only one that can save us and he's the only one that can meet our needs. All you have to do is trust him and call out to him. Obey him, and he will cut that sin right out of your life, right from the root, and he will free you from its grip. And as we're doing this, as we're handing these sins over to Jesus, we have to understand and remember that we're not doing this for God's acceptance. We're not doing it for God's acceptance, because a lot of times we can get trapped in this mindset where we have to earn God's acceptance or we have to earn his love. It's like, I gotta do all the right things so that God will accept me, right? Or if I don't, he's not gonna, he's not gonna accept me. He's not gonna love me. We're not doing this for God's acceptance, guys. When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and I wanna preface that too, a follower of Jesus Christ, meaning you have been redeemed, you have been bought with a price, you have, you have committed your life to Jesus, not in perfection, no perfect people, only Jesus is perfect, but in honest trust and obedience, and that means you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And what the word of God tells us several different places is the fact that when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are already 100% accepted. You're 100% loved. You are 100% valued and cherished by God. And there's nothing that anybody else can do. Not even you can separate the love that God has for you or the acceptance that God has for you. You're 100% accepted, not because of anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. So we're not doing these things. We're not giving over our sins for God to love us, for God to accept us. What we're doing is we're giving over our sins because God loves us, because God accepts us. It's this opportunity that we have to partner with Jesus Christ in killing the sin in our life, knowing that the sin is just an illusion dragging us away from God and that Jesus is the only one that can truly meet our needs. And so what I want us to do I want to, as we kind of wrap up here, I want us to, to concentrate on a few just practical boundaries that every single one of us can set up in our life to help us take our walk with Christ seriously and help us to, to take this fight against sin seriously, kind of joining forces with Jesus in this fight against sin. The first one, the first practical boundary that every single one of us can put up in our life is consistently remind yourself 
of God's promises. Consistently. I mean, like on a daily basis, remind yourself of God's promises. And I talked about this kind of in the beginning. I told you I was going to hit on this a little bit before is the fact that we live in such a crazy, fast-paced, like ADD society, man. And I mean, it used to be like New York is the, the city that never sleeps, but now it's like, again, it's integrated kind of into our society where we are so fast-paced, always on the go, almost like if we take a break, it's a bad thing because we have to constantly be pushing and moving and working. But what happens is we get so busy with our schedules that we completely lose sight of certain things. We completely forget certain things because we're just so busy, we just move right past them. And one of them is the fact that we are so blessed. I mean, we are exponentially blessed. No matter what is going on in your life, you are exponentially blessed because of Jesus Christ. But then another thing that we often forget because we're so busy, we're moving so fast, is the fact that God, the God of the universe, lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit, God in us. And so everywhere that we go, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, he is always right there with us. Every single step of the way. I heard that amen over there. That's great, man. That's good stuff. He's with us every single step of the way. And he's promised that he'll meet every single one of our needs every one of our needs that he loves us and that nothing can ever separate us from his love and something that we have to understand about God is the fact that he is never changing he never changes and neither do any of his promises the thousands of promises that God has for us in his words are never changing and they're also yes and amen meaning they will happen that they're irrevocable nothing can ever cause them you know from, from keep them from becoming a reality in your life Every single one of the promises that God has for you. So get to know those promises. Get to know the promises of God. Get to know the word of God. Get to know God. Get to know his promises. And what will happen as we start to get to know his promises and as we start to call them out, reminding ourselves of those promises on a daily basis, thanking him for all the things that we have to be thankful for. I mean, God, thank you for the breath of my lungs. Thank you for the, the earth that I have to walk on. Thank you for gravity. Thank you for my family. Thank you for, I mean, if you start doing that, what you're going to notice, you are so, so blessed no matter what you are going through, calling out the promises of God. And what will happen is when you start to be tempted, you'll start to see the temptation coming a lot sooner, and then you'll be able to speak the truth, the promises of God into that lie, over that lie. And you'll be able to believe the promises of God rather than the lies of sin and from Satan. So that first practical boundary that every single one of us can put up is by knowing and consistently reminding ourselves, calling out the promises of God on a daily basis. And the second one is accountability. Accountability. And man, I cannot stress the importance of accountability enough. There is something so, so powerful about being surrounded by at least one other person, if not like a group of people, that you can be open and honest and transparent about, like, almost like filleting yourself open and saying, you know what, man, it looks like I got this together, but I am struggling right now, and I need some help. I need some accountability. I need you to pray for me. You know, God revealed even this bitterness or something that I've been struggling for a long time. I didn't even know it was there or, or whatever it may be, and I need some help. There is something so, so powerful about that. Um, there's several different places in the Bible, the word that we, we see just the importance of accountability. stuff. J James 5, 16 is probably my favorite, where it says, um, to confess your sins to one another, pray for each other 
so that you may be healed. It's more than just important. It is an absolute need that every single one of us have to honestly be able to fight back against our unseen enemy, but then also the lure of this, this sinful addiction that we all have. And in love, just truth be, in, in love, if you are walking this journey alone and you don't even have one accountability partner, then again, in love, you are weak and you are easy prey. Because it's not a question of if we are tempted, it's when. And we will fall in some way. And the accountability partners, the people that you have surrounding your life, at least one person, but hopefully even a group of people, the more the better. They will be some of the first people that will help to pick you back up and point you in the direction of Jesus. And there are also some of the people that will help to, to give you those warning signs, hopefully before you ever do fall. Accountability, that's the second boundary that every single one of us is called to put up in our life. The third one and the last one, we're gonna end with this one, is look in the mirror on a daily basis. Look in the mirror on a daily basis, man. And this requires us to be honest with ourselves and, and transparent with ourselves, kind of laying ourselves back, so to speak, looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? I don't like looking here. This is a hard place. This is a weak area. It's, like, it's almost like we talked about the soft spots in a baby. It's like when somebody presses in on that, it's weak. And even just looking at those things, reminding ourselves of those things, it's like, I don't like this, but we gotta be honest and open with ourselves. Because here's the thing. If we are not honest and open with ourselves, we're not gonna be honest and open with other people. We gotta do this before the accountability bit comes into play. But on top of not being honest and open with other people, who else are we not gonna be honest and open with? We're not gonna be honest and open with God, man. And one of the best ways to start this process, this internal reflection process, is by praying like, God, help me to see myself through a lens of humility. Help me to see those deep, dark areas in my life, the sinful areas that are eating away at my life like a cancer and essentially like actively building up these walls in my life, trying to separate you, me from you. Help me to see these things because I can't see these things on my own. I'm looking through these lens of sin. God, give me the lens of humility to be able to see these areas in my life. And this requires a willingness on our part to see ourselves as we truly are which is weak, messy, and sinful. Every single one of us, weak, messy, and sinful. The Bible tells us that every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. In other words, every single one of us struggle with sin. Every single one of us. We are all imperfect people that desperately need a perfect Savior. Desperately. Every one of us. And so as we, we end today, we're going to wrap up. I'm actually going to invite the worship team up. And as we end today, we're going to do something a little bit differently than what we usually do. I want to encourage all of us to take the time to actually do that internal reflection. To take the time to look into the mirror. And again, one of the best ways to do this is by asking God, like, God, help me to see myself through this lens of humility. Help me to see these areas in my life that maybe I haven't noticed. Help me to see the dark, sinful areas that are separating me from you and eating away at my life, killing the peace and the joy out of my life. And then as he illuminates those things to you, it may be something that, maybe it's something that's already on your mind. Maybe it's something that you have been putting off for weeks, months, even years, and you know he has convicted you to take care of those things, to, to deal with those things, but you've been putting them off, and maybe that's what it is, and he's, he's calling that out. 
And he's saying, now is the time to deal with that. And if that's you, man, if there's something, as God puts this on your heart, uh, one of the things you can do is lay it at the altar. I mean, there is something so powerful about just taking that step, doing it. I mean, it's right up here in your mind where you're like, God, I want to take this seriously and praying with them. And then the heart, but then also actively taking those steps and laying it at the altar. So the altar will be open and you can do that. No matter what it is in your life, as he's, as he's convicting you of these things, illuminate these things in your life, respond to him. And then I want to encourage you to, to, to commit to taking this seriously. Commit to taking um, th- this fight against this sin that's trying to separate us from God seriously. Putting up these boundaries in your life and trusting and obeying Jesus, knowing that he will be with you every single step of the way. So for the next few moments, just take that time. You can sit where you're at. You can stand. You can come up to the altar, whatever God lays on your heart. But I want to encourage you, respond to him. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want i just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may, may be, the point of that is um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. And I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and, and step in His direction. And, and the other thing too is if, if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life, God, and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. It's called baptism. And and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and and the importance and significance of it. Um, It's this symbol of death to the old self and and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, If you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. 
So uh, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we, are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.